Today's guest is Sarah Williams. So she is an athlete and she is a podcaster and an entrepreneur. I became addicted to her podcast, Tough Girl. I started to listen for a chance. Uh, and uh, suddenly it just grabbed so much my attention. I couldn't stop. It, it did act on me like the box set on, uh, of the DVDs or box set. You listen or you know, like the Netflix uh, uh, episodes. Uh, basically, you can't stop. I couldn't stop. She has interviewed over 200 powerful women and inspirational. So welcome, Sarah. Oh, thank you very much for an introduction. And I'm so pleased that you love listening to the podcast. That's absolutely fantastic. I, I just love it. I, I tell you the truth. I didn't know so well previously, but when I started, I couldn't stop. I said, oh, I want to listen to this one too and this one. It's so interesting. So it's quite clear that you want to inspire empowering women um, but, um, throughout this podcast, of course, and everything that you do. But why them and why this group of people really is important to you? Well, I, th- I think it's a number of reasons, really. So I've always been interested in inequality and gender equality. I used to work in a very male-dominated industry. So I worked in banking for, for eight years and saw it up close when I was generally the only female in the room. And, you know, like I said, a very male-dominated area. And I saw those inequalities. And I just wanted to make a difference and make a change in other women's lives. Now, you know, when I was 18, I actually went traveling and backpack solo around Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand, and spent time over in America. And that massively helped me with my self-confidence. So when I did graduate and move down to London, I had the confidence to handle being 24 years old and being in a room full of men who were in their 40s and you know willing to speak my opinion and to put my ideas forward. But I noticed that a lot of women didn't necessarily have that confidence to put themselves out there. And it's something that I've really sort of noticed throughout my career. And I wanted to sort of try and help them as much as I can. And so for me, it comes down to how can women build self-confidence? And what I believe is it's by doing, it's by doing the things that scare you, that challenge you, that makes you, you know, when you have those thoughts and you think, I don't think I can do that. And then, then you worry about it. And then, you know, you set yourself a goal, then you go after the goal, and then you achieve that goal, which you never thought was possible. And then your internal self-confidence grows because you're like, well, hold on. I just did that big goal that was scary that I didn't think I was going to be able to do. And I've accomplished it. So if I can do that, what else can I do? So after I left my, after I left my job in 2013, I, I ended up doing quite a bit of, bit of traveling. I came up with the idea of Tough Girl Challenges, which was basically combining my passions together, adventure, challenge, but also motivating, inspiring women and girls. And I wanted to share more women's stories because I, I noticed that, you know, whenever I picked up newspapers and would look through the sports sections, there was nothing on women. And it was so difficult to find the adventurous women out there. And the women are out there. They are out there doing these incredible challenges, but they're just not covered by mainstream media. And so I wanted to make a difference. I didn't just want to sit there and complain about it and say, oh, it's, it's not fair that women don't get the coverage. It's not fair that women don't get the sponsorship opportunities. It's not fair. It's not fair etc etc I thought complaining doesn't do anything it's not going to change it but actually what will change it is if I do something about it and so I came up with a tough girl podcast where I interview these incredible women all ages all backgrounds a whole variety of different challenges and actually share their story you know interview them hear 
get to hear from them about what they've done, what they've achieved, what they've learned along the way, what fears they've overcome, how they did it, and share that with other women. And it's just grown and grown and grown. We recently just celebrated, you know, the four-year anniversary. Like you said, there's over 200 episodes. We're listened to in 174 countries, um, over 850,000 downloads around the world. And, and so I just think there's this real niche to or opportunity for other women to share these stories or to listen to these stories and yeah that's that's what I've been doing I'm just really passionate about encouraging other women to think well hold on she's just like me if she can do that then what can I do that is fantastic I tell you what I just finished to do my first uh, uh, 70.3 Ironman uh, just the last weekend and I was amazed to see so many women I didn't expect there was definitely at least 30%, if you know more, of women. And uh, what is, it was amazing was any age. And the, the oldest woman, woman that I saw, she was uh, 74. I know because, you know, on, a, on the, they don't do every, every race, but some races, yeah, they did it. They put uh, the, the, your age on mm-hmm. uh, on your leg on your car they they write it down with the you know with the pen and so i just i was just running at one point you know i just said uh, no yeah it was the way that i saw this woman i couldn't believe it that she was 74 and uh, i said that is outstanding Absolutely. And it, and it's amazing to think, you know, even just going back 10, 15 years, there would not have been 30% of women doing the Ironman. Even if you look at, you know, the marathon, for instance, now London Marathon, I think reached parity, this, but parity, I'm not sure that's the right word, but um, it reached, you know, 50% were, of the runners running were women. And there's just been this huge surge in women doing cycling events, doing, doing running, doing Ironman, putting themselves putting themselves out there and doing these challenges and it helps when other women see women doing it it's this knock-on positive consequence because you will have inspired your friends and family and all you know everybody who follows you on social media and they'll be looking at you thinking oh wow how's she done that what you know this that's absolutely incredible maybe I could do it and then they'll start looking into their own personal challenges that excite them and um, and that's how and that's how this positivity continues to grow and more women do get into sports and exercise they've got to be able to see other women doing it if they can't see it they can't become it yeah it's uh, and actually thanks to you to create this uh, podcast amazing podcast where uh, we have the opportunity to listen to this uh, exceptional uh, talent <laughs> and toughness because uh, really these uh, these women are amazing and uh, you had such a great great idea to create this uh, platform where actually we can get inspired we can listen to story and we can find also um, tools so speaking about tools, speaking about the biggest takeaway, uh, what you got out uh, um, interviewing more than 200 inspirational women? I mean, uh, exceptional uh, skill set or mindset factor that you have developed to achieve a greatness. So which kind of, yeah, biggest takeaway? Give us something. Oh, that's, that's not an easy question. But one of the things that we do during the interviews, we actually sort of end up breaking it down so quite methodically. So we talk a lot about the physical aspects of the challenge, you know, what training 
do they do? How do they fit their training in? What works for them with regards to recovery? Do they work with a personal trainer or not? We also talk about the mindset as well, the, the mental grit, the mental resilience. What are they doing before a race to mentally prepare? What are they doing during a race? How do they, after a competition or a challenge, how do they reflect back and learn on what they've done? I mean, I suppose, you know, one of the one of the places I'd actually like to start with that to give some really practical advice is breaking it down. And what I mean by that is when you look at some of the different women and some of the different challenges that they've that they've undertaken, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for example, so uh, there's a lady called Tracy Herbert. She's a grandmother with type one diabetes and she did a solo 3,527 miles bicycle ride from San Francisco to New York. Pippa Lyon recently completed um, the race around Ireland in 2017, went and had a baby in 2018 and then rode in the Tour de France in 2019. And what a lot of these women, to when they talk about their challenges, these big audacious goals and when you think about these challenges in their entirety, you, women can get overwhelmed by the size of it. You know, even doing an Ironman, doing half an Ironman, running a marathon, doing a park run, doing a 5K. And what it comes down to, and the best piece of advice um, that has been shared is, is breaking it down, chunking it down, putting it into manageable size chunks. So how do you start when you've got a big challenge? What are the first steps that you need to take? And breaking it down is key. So once you've actually got that date in the diary and you've worked yourself backwards so that you know how much time you've got to plan and prepare, so whether that's nine months, a year, two years. I spoke to one lady who's been um, planning her big events um, for over five years. She's off in November. November in 2020, um, sorry, off in November to do the South Pole 2020, um, this big physical walking challenge. She's aiming to break the solo uh, solo record. Her name's like Wendy Searle. And so it comes down to breaking the challenge down. And I know for myself, when I, for example, talking about the Appalachian Trail, which I walked uh, in 2017, so 2,200 miles, you know, where do you even start? And for me, it was being really logical and literally having to break it down into the physical training, the equipment, the mental side of it, then breaking it down even further in the equipment. Okay, what bag do I need to wear? What shoes do I need to wear? Um, what, what clothing do I need to wear? And then taking my time to research each area and then slowly tick it off the list. And that has been the key with every single woman that I've spoken to. They haven't let the size of the challenge overwhelm them, and they've just broken it down into these really manageable chunks. And what they've done is they've just done one thing at a time, they've taken the first step, whether that is Googling it, whether that's paying, you know, hitting that submit button to apply for for that challenge or adventure. And, and that is literally how it starts. Because I think the worst thing that women can do is that they can have this dream in their head, they think, oh, you know, one day, one day, I would love to do x, y, and z. And then they have this great big dream. And then they they immediately think, oh, no, I could never do that because it's just too overwhelming. But if they break it down to, well, okay, you know, could I do some research on it? Yes. Could I book some time off work to do it? Yes. Could I start saving the money for it? Yes. Could I start figuring out uh, my equipment? Yes. Could I start figuring out my training? Could I start figuring out my nutrition? Could I start figuring out my hydration? Yes, yes, yes. Those are all things that people can do, but you do have to break it down. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one thing that I notice, I don't know you, but speaking also with friends, a lot of times they tell me, oh, I don't have the time. Do you have any tips how you can organize yourself if you have already a busy, busy day, busy time with your family because some of them already have kids? So, you know, you don't have a lot of time between work, kids and then your adventure. 
So any any advice on that? Yeah, you know, I think that is such a great question. And generally, that's the second thing that comes up. The first one is money, I can't afford it. And the second thing is I don't have time. Mm-hmm. I'd actually flip that back on the person. And I'd actually be talking about, is it a priority? Like, is it a goal that you actually really, really want to do? Is it just a wish list? Because when it's a priority, when you make it a priority, when it becomes a must, and you've got, and you know the reason why that you are doing it, whether it's you want to get fit, healthy, strong, because you want to achieve a great thing, as long as you know your why, then that is going to give you the time. You will create the time. I mean, I spoke with a lady called Anne Daniels, who was in her 30s. She was going through a divorce. She'd lost her job. She was pregnant. And she had triplets. And that did not stop her from training for a big challenge where she headed out to the North Pole. And, you know, no experience, um, no knowledge, but she committed. She had this dream. She had this ambition. She also had triplets. And she found the time. And it's and it's having you've got to take it a step back. You've got to figure out why, why it excites you, why you want to jump out of bed in the morning, why you want to do it. What is the reason for you doing this challenge? And to be honest, if it's not exciting you, then you can always, you know, there's thousands of excuses why you can't do something. But actually, if you, if you can figure out the reasons why you want to do it and those, and those really count and they actually really matter to you, you will figure it out. You will make it happen. I know women who have, um, if they're training for long runs, um, they'll do back-to-backs. Um, they will combine their weekend activities with that as well, whether that's cycling to the shops, whether one lady I know, she was training for, she was training for the Marathon de Saves. And what she did is to make her training more purposeful, she had a letter she needed to deliver. It was a you know a 10-mile trip to post the letter and a 10-mile run back. And she did that because that run gave her purpose. A lot of people combine their fitness with what they're doing. So whether that's commuting into work, that's definitely something that um, that I've noticed a lot of women women doing. But I do think the key thing is going back to what is the goal? Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to achieve it? And sometimes it's a case of sitting down and writing down every single reason why you want to do something. And um, and once you've figured that out, the, the rest, you will make it happen. You will figure it out. That's very, very interesting what you're saying. I like uh, how you turn from time to why because uh, you're absolutely right. If uh, there is a why, uh, there, is, uh, there, there are no, um, no walls. What are the things that you do in order to cultivate an empowering mindset? Well, there's quite a few things that I, that I do personally. So once I've decided what it is that I want to do, have you, have you ever heard of the concept of a vision board? Vision board, yes, of course. But yeah. let's uh, explain to our audience just in case they didn't. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that I do is I basically, once I decide that I want to do something, I will find pictures, I will find details of it, if it's whether it's places I want to go, challenges that I want to do, things that I want to achieve, and I'll find those pictures and I'll stick them down onto a piece of card with like motivational quotes, and I'll put it somewhere that I can see every single day. And this is this is linking in with visualization. So it's a very, very powerful tool, you know, for you to start thinking about what it is that you want to achieve. So if you're running a race, you're running a marathon, is visualizing yourself crossing the finish line, but in a very, very powerful way, way as in you're imagining the crowds as you're running along, imagining them cheering your name, imagining your feet running over, whether it's the gravel or the tarmac, or if it's a trail run over over the grass or the sand and crossing that finish line and feeling the, the celebration and the joy and actually feeling those emotions and getting 
putting the medal over your neck. So you can do the mental visualization. And then by putting the vision board up, you can you can look at it every day and it will just go into your subconscious. Equally, two other tricks, um, tricks that I've done is I've created my own personal certificates of achievement. So when I did the Marathon de Saabs, I created my own certificate of achievement, which I stuck up where I could see it every single day. Um, the other thing I I write down, I find sort of writing down things very powerful. So sitting down and writing down every reason why this is important for me to do. So when I headed out on the Appalachian Trail in my guidebook on the inside cover, I had this whole list of reasons of why I wanted to do the challenge, what I was most looking forward to it, why I was going to complete it, what I was going to do when things were hard. So those are a couple of practical things. But then something else which I'm going to give you is really, really practical advice. And I'd encourage anybody to do this. It's super simple. You get a piece of paper and you draw a line down the center And then on the left-hand side, you basically brainstorm every reason. It's sort of like, what if? So what if I run out of money? What if I get lost? What if my backpack straps break? What if my kit gets stolen? What if I fall over? What if I run out of food or water or whatever it may be? So every every objection that you could think of, every what if that could happen on your challenge or adventure, you write that down on the left-hand side. And then in the comfort of your own home, so this will be months before you head off to do your adventure or challenge, and you go through each of them. So, well, what would happen if I um, if I if I fall over? Okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll be able to assess the damage. I'll be carrying a spot tracker. I'll have my mobile phone with me. I'll be able to reach out to other people. People will know where where I am on the challenge. What if I run out of food? That's okay. If I, I'll make sure that I'm prepared. I'll make sure that I'm organized. I can always ask other people for food. I can always hitchhike a ride into a local town if I need to get more food. And you basically go through every solution to the problem that you could possibly have. Now, just as a, as a caveat, you're never going to be able to cover off every single eventuality, but you're going to be able to do at least 70 or 80 percent of them. And this is why adventure is so exciting and challenges are so exciting because of you because of the not knowing, not knowing what's going to happen. But that doesn't mean that you still can't prepare for it. And some of the benefits of doing this, um, that challenge, doing the what if challenge is that you think about this stuff in a very safe, warm, comfortable environment, and you can do your research. You know, for me on the Appalachian Trail, what do I do if I come across a bear? You know, a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have known. So, right, go onto Google. What do I do if there's a bear? Okay, make myself big. I've actually forgotten quite a bit what I do when meet a bear. But you know what I mean. Like, you, you do your research. Then when you're actually out there in those situations, you may not remember everything, but because it's already been in your brain, you'll be like, oh, okay, so I've run out of water. That's okay. I've thought about if this happens, that what I'll do, I can do X, Y, and Z. And those are really, really practical, useful tips that you can use to build up that mental resilience, to build up that mental grit, and to help prepare yourself mentally before you head out and do a challenge. And I think that that's such a key part of the preparation is mentally preparing yourself. You know, what, what's it going to be like when things are tough? What, what am I going to do if I want to quit? Okay, I'm going to make some rules. I'm never going to quit on a bad day. I'm going to make sure that I've... Um, I've eaten food, I've hydrated and slept, you know, you've gone through all of these um, before, you know, making any bigger decisions. And so I definitely recommend uh, recommend doing a what if list. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of a preparation for, so you never, if you find yourself in that situation, in your mind, you have already rehearsed the possibility and there is not a surprise. So you don't have to take the last minute decision in the worst moment 
because you are maybe tired or, or you can't because your brain in that moment is not actually functioning properly uh, because of yeah. the challenge. So it's a very, very good, uh, good tool. I really like it. It's, uh, but so how, speaking about that, I, I can do attitude. So what it makes you thinking, I can do it. What, how did you develop this I can do attitude? Oh, that's such a great question. I think it's definitely something that has built over time. Like I didn't just go straight into to running the Marathon of Saab, six marathons, six days across the Sahara Desert. I mean, I started, I couldn't even run to the end of the street. I was, I tried to run to a lamppost and I thought my heart was going to explode and my cheeks were bright red and I thought I'm never, do, never doing that again. But I did persevere and, you know, I built my running up over, I, over quite a long, longer length of time, you know, it was first like doing a half marathon. And then for five years, every year, I was in, when I was in London, I did the London Marathon every year. And then for me, what, I think that just helps to build your self-confidence. The more you put yourself out there to do these small challenges and you accomplish them. So for, after, after I'd run the London Marathon, for example, five times, I knew deep down I could do, I could run the London Marathon. I could run 26.2 miles because I'd done it previously. I've got, you know, I've got the medals to back it up to prove to myself. So therefore, my comfort zone was 26.2 miles. But what I'd never done was I'd never gone further than that. And I'd never sort of done it in a, in a bigger, more extreme environment. And so then going on to do the Marathon de Sables again, outside my comfort zone, scared, am I strong enough? Am I fit enough? Am I going to be able to do this? Like, how is it even humanly possible to run in these temperatures and to run multiple marathons carrying everything you need? And then you give it a go and you do have to deal with those nerves and that anxiety about it and, and figure it out. But then once you've done it, you've then given yourself that confidence again. But that I can do it. I don't know. I think I've always just wanted to try it and see. And I, I think changing my attitude around failure has been very, very powerful as well. So looking at failure more as a learning curve and a learning opportunity. Well, how can I improve? What can I do better next time? What, have I tried my best? Have I done everything that I possibly can to make sure that I will succeed? Because a lot of these challenges it's not actually about the challenge it's about the training and the preparation and everything you do before you even get to the race that is so important the the discipline the hard work putting in the hours putting in the effort all of that is what's going to help you change and help when I say change what I mean by that is to help you grow and develop as a person to become stronger fitter to become more mentally resilient uh, but I do think it is it's almost like a muscle you you can improve that muscle but you do have to practice and whether that's just doing little things to step outside your comfort zone because standing in front of a mirror and just saying I'm confident I'm confident or I can do it I can do it I can do it and never proving it to yourself you're never going to actually learn how to do it you've got to physically take action you've got to get out of the chair you've got to get out the house you've got to do the things that scare you and by taking action and creating that momentum you're going to learn and you're soon going to realize well hold on I can do this I am doing it and so actually, if I can do this, what else can I do? And so you've got to, you've got to learn, you've got to learn it and you've got to take action. So yeah, take, taking action, I think is how you become somebody who can do it. That it's, uh, <laughs> it's very cool what you are saying. Um, I, I'm, one of the things you said is about uh, uh, getting scared, you know? <laughs> so what scares you? Oh God, so many things scare me. <laughs> um, you know, when I was on the Appalachian Trail, camping by myself for the first time, dealing with bears, 
um, dealing with well, bears. Yeah. Tell me yeah. the story. I'm in Canada. I need, I need some uh, inspiration just to let me know, just in case happens something to me. What happened with dealing with bears? Well, no, it's more like those were like one of my fears was was like you know well what happens if I if I meet a bear? Um, but then you know to be fair, it's fine. Nine times out of ten, it's absolutely fine. I mean, for me, I was walking along the trail and this cute little bear cub ran out right in front of me, like ten meters in front of me. And my first reaction was, oh my god, that is the cutest, literally the cutest thing I've ever seen. I want to pick it up and give it a cuddle. Um, and then a second after that thought, I was like, hold on, if there's a baby bear. There's also going to be a mama bear somewhere, and you never want to get in between a baby cub and its mum and the mum. And it was like, right, stop where you are. Where is the mama bear? Found the mama bear. Saw the baby cub. There's actually two baby cubs. And at the end of the day, I'm in their environment, so I backed away slowly. I had my walking poles. I made noise with my walking poles. They were just doing their thing. I thought, you know what? It's fine. I'll just wait for them. You know, they carried on playing for a little bit, and then they headed off. But to be scared, to being scared. It's not a bad thing because what it's going to make you do is it's going to make you think about the situation that you're in and it's going to make you more aware of what it is that you're doing. So it's a, it's a useful tool. But what you've got to be aware, aware of is basically not being so scared that you are paralyzed with indecision and you're not able to do anything. That's the point you, that you do not want to get to. You've got to use the fear factor of being scared and use it to your advantage. So if you, we, I mean, one of the best ways I can almost describe it is, is uh, sort of when I was at university and being a student, um, before exams happened, we call it getting the fear, when it was suddenly like, right, actually, this is serious now, we've got to start revising, because we've got our exams in so many weeks. And then that fear that you're feeling is the trigger for you to take action and to start thinking, right, what do I need to do to get control of this situation? What task do I need to accomplish? What's on my to-do list? What action do I need to take? So you use the fear factor, you use those scares feeling as motivation to keep moving you forward, to make sure that you are still growing and developing as a person, to ensure that you are becoming the best version of you. So when you do face this challenge or adventure or whatever it may be, that you are in the best possible place to handle it. Amazing. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot because you're absolutely right. A lot of times we find ourselves in situation that uh, uh, the fear overtake and or can overtake and it just you became completely blind. You do not, you act in the wrong way. So I like the idea to be prepared to that, to think about and not to be scared and just to think about I like your attitude you did also with the bear, you know, you're just okay, they do their own thing, I just do my own thing, I just go away. Because another skill, of course, is like control your fears, but also strengthening your mind. I think I think there's there's two key things that I do. So one of the things that I do is very, very simple and easy to do. One thing that I do is every evening is I keep like a gratitude diary. And it's just every evening I just write down three things that have happened during the day. And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be epic. It might be, oh, I saw a beautiful flower or I saw a butterfly or I saw a cute puppy or I, I accomplished a certain goal or I met up with a friend. And it's just three things to reflect on before you go to sleep, just three positive things that you are grateful that has happened, that have happened in your life. Um, I think gratitude is in, incredibly powerful. And even when, for example, when I was out on the Appalachian Trail and I was really, really struggling and 
you know, to cover the distance and everything was hurting. I was in pain. On the Appalachian Trail, you have these white blazes on the trees. So maybe every 50 meters, there's, you come across a tree with a white blaze on. And uh, sometimes I would have to revert to, to gratitude because sometimes, you know, you can go into these dark places inside your head and you can go into this negative spiral very easily. And so every time I saw a blaze on the tree, I'd force myself to say something that I was grateful for. And I'll tell you what, after you've done it, like, you know, like 10 15 20 times you can't help but be grateful so when you're walking along thinking well actually I could be stuck in an office or oh I'm so grateful that I've got the support of my friends and family oh I'm so grateful to be in nature I'm so grateful that I saw um this beautiful scenery I'm so grateful that I've carried my Snickers bar with me for my snack or whatever it may be um and so gratitude is hugely hugely powerful so I do that you know before I go to bed so then when you go to sleep you're putting your brain in a really positive and happy place so that's incredibly powerful um, the other thing that I use is is journaling. Now, and I do this in a whole variety of different ways. Sometimes if I'm going through a situation which is stressing me out or I'm feeling a bit uncertain about it or I'm worrying about it or feeling anxious about it, then I write it down. But I'm not writing it down so that it makes sense on paper. I'm just writing it down to get it out of my head. So I will just literally write a question at the top over the page, how am I feeling at the moment or what's worrying me or you know something along those lines and I will just start writing it doesn't even need to make sense but you just but as you start writing initially it allows your brain to focus and it allows the information to flow outside of your head down through your arm into the pen onto the paper and out of your mind so it stops you having the those like anxious feelings or those feelings of worry and I think journaling can be incredibly powerful some days it's just bullet points bullet point journaling you know, what, what are the things that make me happy? Write a list of all the bullet points um, that make me happy. What do I want to achieve in five years? Write a list of bullet points. So I actually did, I have a community called the Tough Girl Tribe. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a journaling challenge with the whole tribe. So every day I put up a journal question and people could share it in the, in the closed Facebook group if they wanted to. They could DM me separately or they could just keep it to themselves. And it was just a way to get people thinking about different scenarios, different situations. And I think journaling's incredibly powerful. You know, there's, there's no rules. It's about doing what's right for you. You don't need to have a brand new journal uh, book to write on. You don't need to have a certain pen or paper. As long as you've got something to write with and something to write on, you can write down what, what you're feeling, get it out of your body, get it out of your mind, and that's a great sort of tactic. So um, gratitude lists and journaling, I think, are definitely two of my routines that really do help me um, with my mindset. That's amazing. Do you do uh, really daily or is something that actually depends? Uh, if maybe some period you don't feel it or you don't need it, a necessity. You feel that you don't need to do it or you can't do it because you're maybe uh, doing, you're very busy doing other things or you're very regimental and you do actually every single day. I definitely do the gratitude every single evening. I've got this green book and I have I write it in, in this green sort of moleskin book every evening. With the journaling, it, it's more sort of comes and goes depending on what is going in my life. So when I went through, I, I got very, very ill a couple of years ago with like chronic fatigue and I was sort of like bed bound, a whole host of health problems. Then I was journaling every single day because I needed to. I just had to try and get this, these thoughts out of my head. Um, and then I think when you get back to, you know, a happier place, a more content place, it's definitely not as often, but sometimes you can still be thrown a curveball. but when you get that curveball thrown at you, you catch it, you put it down and you start writing. And that's, um, that I found, um, incredibly useful. And it's one of the top tips that I give to, to women that, that I coach as well is, is 
writing it writing it down so you're also a coach i didn't know this <laughs> i i do a lot i do a lot of stuff yeah oh, fantastic oh, fantastic so you are coaching also um do you need the person close to you or you normally do also distance through skype or any other yeah it, it's it's generally it's distance it's generally done over over skype Thank you again to create another tool possible, putting yourself as a, you know, a, a source of, um, you know, um, tools. So thanks so much. <laughs> um, so you are an entrepreneur and uh, you are an athlete. There is some crossover there. Oh, I think that, that's such a great question. I, I think... I think they're rather similar because I think if you're if you're doing a challenge, for example, you obviously you have a goal that you're working towards. If you have an entrepreneur, I think it's very important that you have a also have a very clear goal of what it is that you're working towards. So whether that's that's target target based or what you want to achieve, and you can break that down further. Whether that that's followers, numbers, etc., etc., etc. But I always think you've got to have something that you're aiming towards um, and writing that down. So once you've got that clear goal laid out, I'd, I'd say the crossover. There's like probably like four or five things that cross over between like the entrepreneurship and um, and the challenges. I think it's the hard work that goes into it. If you're if you're an athlete, you're training every day, you put in the hours. It's the same with you're an entrepreneur. You've got to do the work. You, you, you have to put in the work if you want to um, if you want to be successful. And obviously, success is based on your definition of success, not society's definition definition of success. It also takes a lot of commitment. You've got to be focused. You've got to be committed, and that links in with the hard work. You've got to have a plan. It's, you've got to be structured with your time. Same thing when you're training. You, I block out. For example, when I'm working with my personal trainer. I block out those times in my diary and they are locked in. I don't change that for anybody or anything. Those are the hours that I, I need to do to get sure that I get myself fit and strong. It's the same thing for me when I do interviews. You know, they get locked in the diary. They will they will happen. So you having that plan in place. I think then there's two other things, the two Ps actually then it comes down to. It's one, it's having patience because things just don't happen overnight with you for with your training, you know, it can take you a couple of weeks to build up your strength, to build up um, your endurance, to build up your base. Um, same thing with entrepreneurship. It just doesn't happen overnight. You've got to be patient, uh, got to be patient. And the other P is, is perseverance, keeping going when times get tough. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have obstacles in adventure and challenge and also in the entrepreneurial world. And it's actually how you handle those obstacles and challenges and persevere through them. So I think there's actually a lot of similarities between the two of them. And I think both can both can help you help make you better. So by having a structure, by having a routine, by focusing on your health and your fitness, then that will apply to to your entrepreneur entrepreneurial life in terms of how much energy you have energy you have, how you balance your day, how you balance your time. You'll be aware of the need to get sleep, to need to let your body recover. You know that you can't burn the candle at both ends because it's not feasible. You're going to burn yourself out and then you're not going to be any use to anybody. You're never going to achieve your goal that way. So um, so I say, yeah, definitely making sure you have a goal. Entrepreneurs need to have a goal that they are working towards. Their goal, you know, their version of success You've got to be committed to it. You've got to work hard. You've got to put a plan in place. You've got to persevere and you've got to be patient. So, you know, for example, when I talk about the podcast, when I started the Tough Girl podcast, I got maybe like 100 downloads in the first month. And um, it took me six months 
to get 25,000 downloads. And now I get that every single month. And so patient, it takes time to build. And the only way that you're going to get better at doing anything is to keep doing it. Um, so yeah, having patience, that's definitely a lesson that I have struggled with. You know, I, I want everything now when I have these big ideas, I want to do this right now, but actually sometimes you can't do it right now. You've got to put the plan in place, do the hard work, commit to it and then make it happen. Well, so what is your biggest focus in your life right now? Biggest focus in my life at the moment, well, it's literally just passed. So about, about a couple of days ago, Tough Girl Podcast actually celebrated its fourth birthday. So it was a four-year anniversary, um, which took place on the 4th of August. And to celebrate, I decided that I'd interview, um, I'd do myself, I'd do my own solo episode, but I'd also release like three extra bonus episodes. So I ended up speaking with Paula Radcliffe, who's the fastest female marathoner of all time. And she's held the Women's World Marathon record since 2003. So she ran the London Marathon in two hours, 15 minutes and 25 seconds. I also spoke with Shamilia Kostani, who's a former captain of the Afghan women's soccer team. And she talked about gender equality and how sports empower women. And then I also caught up with Mel Nichols, a Paralympian and endurance adventure athlete. And she's a hand cycle uh, world record holder. So I ended up having to do all these all these extra episodes. I actually released an ebook as well um, as a sort of a birthday present for my patrons and supporters. And so the run up to the fourth year, I also had a party as well at my house, which was super awesome and super fun. So <laughs> the run up to the fourth of August, that was my that was my focus. Everything was was um, was focused on the fourth of August. Four new episodes, the new ebook. I'd also did something as well with called Tough Girl Extra, which is when I speak to my listeners and we find out how the Tough Girl podcast has inspired them to go on their own personal challenges and adventures. So there's four episodes of that coming out. I sort of like it, you know, when things link in. So there's lots of four, four, four. Um, so that's been my that was been my main focus um, this year is to getting to this point. But by the I've got two big focuses really. Is one is getting to the million downloads. It's it's a real push. Like I. It's such a massive, massive goal. I don't know if it's feasible to do it by the end of the year, but if I don't do it by December 2019, it will will happen in in January or the beginning of February. But I'd obviously love for that to happen this year. That would be incredible. And I'm also getting ready to head off on my next challenge. So I'm flying off to Lisbon in Portugal to go and hike the Camino Portuguese. So I'm going to be doing that in September. So I've just started... Uh, working out with my personal trainer had a brutal session today absolutely destroyed um but it was it was great fun so yeah i've got sort of the business challenge and the physical and the physical endurance challenge coming up so they're my sort of two two main priorities uh, to focus on next that's fantastic so congratulations for your fourth birthday of uh, your very Thank successful podcast you, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's great you you create an incredible platform and uh, you really deserve a lot of success uh, and uh, let's go for this million downloads come on <laughs> let's make this happen <laughs> so thanks absolutely, so much absolutely 100% well I'm doing everything I can <laughs> exactly exactly think about how you can cross the chasm you know it's just always thinking about uh, how you can actually uh, drag more people uh, toward you because uh, it's, it's such a fantastic, fantastic podcast. So, um, yeah, if people that wanted to find you on social media, where they can find you? 
the best place to go is toughgirlchallenges.com. That's my website. And on there, you can find links to the podcast, all of the back episodes. You can find links to all of the books that I've written, as well as all of the blog posts and also links to my social media. I'm very active on Instagram. I do a lot of Instagram stories. There's also YouTube videos on my last on um, on the Appalachian Trail. So I daily vlogged every single day. And I also vlogged my last challenge, which was cycling from Vancouver in Canada all the way down to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. So that's on YouTube as well. So if you head to toughgirlchallenges.com, you'll find everything you could possibly need. Fantastic, fantastic. This, uh, this is great. So here we go. Let's see if we can arrive a million now. <laughs> we gave a spread of a whole day, you know. <laughs> so... Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a really fun to speak with you. And thanks so much for your knowledge. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me on. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode as I did recording it. You can check out all the links regarding our guest in the show notes. Stay tuned.